And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, you are our strength, and you are our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. Today we are wrapping up our most recent series on unity. We have reached the last letter, the letter Y of the word unity. And uh, my hope is that today we will bring all of the things we've been discussing over the past five weeks into uh, communion, into a union with each other. And uh, as, we prepare to, uh, as, as we prepare to move in today, I just want to give you a quick recap of what we've been looking at these past five weeks, that unity begins with humility. And in a place of humility, we gain perspective that life is not about me. Life is not just about our individual needs and expectations being met. And from that place of humility, we are able to be in touch with each other's pain, to empathize with each other, to be with each other in the midst of pain. And that makes us trust each other more. All of this is so important in how we are the body of Christ. And the great part of all, the greatest part of it all, I think, is what we get to today, which is that all of us have a responsibility to, to cultivate a spirit of unity, not just in this congregation, but in all of our dealings in the larger body of Christ. We all have a responsibility. It is your plural responsibility. And we hear the word you used a lot, and that's something that I try not to do too often in sermons, but it just sometimes comes out that way because a lot of times when we're saying you do this, you do that, you, 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 we take it personally. And sometimes there is something personal that God is speaking to us, but there is also a message of your plural. What our responsibility is, not just as individuals, but as the church to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to give you a little disclaimer today. I've not given this disclaimer probably in a couple of years. I remember I did a couple of years ago when we were studying the book of James together. And there's a passage in the book of James about the power of words. And I told you at the beginning of that message what I'm going to say today. I am not preaching directly at you, even though you may feel like it today. When we hear passages like this one, when we hear a passage like the power of our words, it's a message that all of us need to hear and is likely to strike a chord with everybody, if not today, then at some point, because it's just such a relevant word from God. And sometimes when that happens, we take, we, we take this and we easily can get condemned because we see ourselves or God is showing us something about ourselves in that message. And I'm just here to say, friends, there's no condemnation with this today. Yes, there may be conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is good. It is cleansing. It helps us to see ourselves in a mirror, which is the Word of God, and be able to change a little bit and to see ourselves as part of the bigger picture of what God is doing, that we are your plural and not just your singular. So I just want to give you a heads up that today, this is a message that reverberate, that just echoes across the ages, and it's something that we all need to hear at some point, but do know that there is no condemnation. Do not, be, do not feel judged. Do not feel condemned. Just know that the Holy Spirit is doing this work in and through the body of Christ, 
and it is something to celebrate. And you'll see exactly why as we get towards the end of the passage. But just for a moment, let's look at what's happening here in Paul's letter. Paul is using really strong language here because he is a leader in something brand new that is happening. The church is being birthed. The church is being formed. This is, an, or this is a group and a way of living, a, a, a body of believers that nobody had ever really seen anything like before. And everybody's kind of learning as they go. And in Inventing the plane or building the plane, excuse me, flying the plane as they build it. Don't these analogies sound a little bit like things we've been hearing in the news the past few months? That there are a lot of things we're just having to learn about as we take action, as we move. And that's what the early church was doing. All of you who are parents in the room know that even, no matter how many manuals and books you read on parenting, you learn it as you go. You learn through experiences, you grow through those. And it's the same way in the church, friends. We're learning and growing together. And no matter how often we read our Bibles, there's always something new to learn. There's always something new to experience. And we experience new things in life. And Paul is just trying to bring some order into this chaos. And he sees something happening that he knows could be detrimental to the church. And he decides to address it, And among other topics in the book of Romans. And what he does... What he is seeing happening here is people beginning to disagree and to move from a spirit of, diff- of, of, of acknowledging and celebrating their differentness into a spirit of criticism and judgment of each other. And let's begin at verse 1 to see exactly what is going on. He says to the people, welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Verse 3, those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat. He goes on down into verse 5 about talking about some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Paul is talking specifically about some rules of that day, some of the ancient Jewish rules around food and dining together and rules about holy days and the observation of the Sabbath. These are th- and some people are still some of the people listening to Paul are still very conservative in their in their interpretation of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and they want to follow certain food rules and uh, and certain rules about the holy days. Others, more of the Gentile believers, those who maybe did not grow up with these traditions, don't see the point in it. And instead of acknowledging each other's differences and celebrating those and learning how to work together, they begin. They, Paul sees that they are beginning to judge each other. And in verse one, he says it so well: no, "Welcome one another, but not for the purpose of quarreling over." Opinions. Has anybody quarreled over an opinion in the past year? Probably maybe in the past month. Well, don't worry. If you haven't yet, holiday season is still coming around with plenty of opportunities for quarreling. And what Paul is saying here is to be different, to be the distinct body of Christ in this world. We cannot live in this place where we judge people with the labels that we put on them. Labeling is something that can be very good. Labels are what keep you from putting the cinnamon instead of the chili powder in the pot of soup that you're making, right? Although some of you may know how to make a good soup that includes cinnamon in it. Labels are something that help us to know which kind of medication to take and how many of those to take. Labels help us to identify. Labels help to protect us. And labels also help us 
to make choices. There are so many movies and television shows and music out there to choose from. If we didn't have those categories of action-adventure and R&B, or if we didn't have that category of, of instrumental music or classical music, we need those labels help us to make decisions. That's a good use of labels. But what Paul is seeing happening here, and something that we have to be on guard with in the body of Christ, is that labels become a problem when we reduce one another to them, and we use those labels to criticize each other. But when, my, when I moved back to Mississippi for, after seminary, the first church that I served was thankfully very close to my grandparents, who I was very close to growing up, and I'd been away for seven years out of state, and I was so happy to be closer to them to be able to see them more often. And my dear sweet grandmother, God rest her soul, she passed away eight years ago this year, um, I started noticing some quirks in her personality, and we all have quirks in our lives, right? But one of the things I noticed when I would visit with her is that she started using the words this and that to describe people. Let me explain a bit more. If she did not agree with somebody or she did not like something about a person, their first name became this. As in, this lady who joined my coffee group at the local fast food store, she just doesn't vote the way that I do. This and her voice went down an octave. Now, on the other hand, if your first name became that, as in that beautiful, brilliant granddaughter of mine when she was talking about my sister, of course, her voice would go up an octave. So we, could, we learned to be able to tell if my grandmother liked somebody if she said this or if she said that about them. And, you know, I don't know if my grandmother was, had a critical spirit, if she was being judgmental or what, but that, that example reminds me of how we walk that fine line of acknowledging characteristics of each other, acknowledging goodness in each other and maybe differences in each other. But that's the line that we have to walk, and we don't want to get stuck in only seeing people as this or as that because we're all children of God made in the same one image of God. And when we get them, we see what we hear Paul say today in verse 4 is so, so powerful. And this is the part that can really cut us. This is the part that can really sting. But it's a good kind of sting. It's a sting that brings about healing in the body of Christ when he says this, Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord they must stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Another translation of that verse reads this, Who are you to criticize someone else's servant? Who are you to criticize someone else's servant when we are all servants of the same one true God. Friends, we are, Jesus is reminding us here through the Apostle Paul that we are called to live in this together. We are called to live in this following of Jesus Christ together. And, but not just in the level of we're all in this together. It is on a deeper level. He is asking us to stand as one. Earlier before this, uh, Paul wrote the letter of Romans when he wrote the letter of Ephesians. He said over and over in there, take up the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil. In order for us to stand against evil forces in this world as your plural, our responsibility, your responsibility is for us to guard against that which will send us into the world of this or that only. We are called to see each other as individual beautiful creations of God, each made in his image for a specific 
purpose. And Paul goes on to describe that beautifully in verse 7. We do not live to ourselves. We do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. There's no I in there. There's no you in there. There is only we. We are the Lord's together. And we have, and in order to be the Lord's together, to live into all that Jesus called us to be, we must be able and willing to resist that temptation to, to only know each other by labels, to be in this together on a deeper level. Our responsibility is to remember who is on the throne, who is the judge, and who is not. Because as you see, Paul concludes the letter by saying, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Your responsibility, your responsibility, once again, this is your plural, our responsibility as the church, is to cede our desire to judge each other to the one true judge. Let God be the judge. Our responsibility in cultivating a spirit of unity in the body of Christ is to leave behind the, criti- the tendency to criticize, to fall, into, to fall on that side of judgmentalism so that we can be what he has called us to be. Our responsibility is to let God be God and, to, and for us to be who God called us to be. God is on the throne. God is the judge. We will all indeed stand before the judgment seat of God to answer to ourselves, but to answer for ourselves. But one of the things we're going to have to answer for with ourselves is how we treated each other. Did we treat each other in that place of being in touch with each other's pain and trusting each other, that spirit of humility that sees it's not about me? Friends, that's where the church can experience, the body of Christ can experience so much healing. And we can see so much more. We can learn so much more by being able to see each other, not as labels, but as everything God created us to be. In closing today, I want to share with you a personal example that I think will bring all of this together. And I'm guessing some of you have had a similar experience to this. Um, About five, six years ago, um, I heard this band come on the radio one day. And the band was, whoever the DJ was on the radio station, described the band as being a Christian rock band. Now, I love praise and worship music. I love inspirational Christian music, and I love rock and roll. I love a whole lot of different kinds of music. But one kind of music that I've never cared for is Christian rock. And so I decided in that moment, okay, I don't, I'm not going to like this. I'm going to turn it off. And every time I heard that artist come on the radio after that, and they were getting more and more popular, more and more songs coming out, I always turned it off because I just had this idea. I'm not going to like this because it's Christian rock. Well, this has gone on for years. I mean, years. And it was almost subconscious that I, the band would come on. I would turn it off. But I was watching a television show this week, and this song came on. And, folks, I've been dancing for three days to that song. If you've seen me out walking the dog, you've wondered, has the preacher really lost her mind? I cannot get enough of the song. It's so joyful. It's jubilant. And I'm listening to it. I go to look it up online, and it's by that band that I was determined I didn't like. All because I had reduce them to a label. The band is called Need to Breathe, and the song is called The Heart. And uh, I read an interview four years ago with the lead singer, uh, the lead singer, Bear Reinhardt of Need to Breathe. And he was asked about, some people say you're Christian rock, some people say you're rock and roll, some people say you're, you're pop, but what do you think of those labels? And he said, as a musician, I believe labels can be limiting 
if we're not careful. He said, we want for our music to reach as many people as possible. And he said, so that's why we try to resist the labels. We want to reach more people. Friends, what are you missing out on today? You, plural, what are you missing out on today because you've made up your mind through a label that you're not going to like something or somebody? My challenge to all of us this week, myself included, is to start finding ways to move away from judging the labels and try out something, listen to something, talk to someone that you've labeled as different from you. Because what you might discover, what we might discover, is that we have found unity in the body of Christ by giving up the judgmental and taking up the truth, which is Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.